shadows grow long in Austin, Texas. There are shadows, so the sun is still up. We are getting started a little early tonight. It's exciting. Uh, having a having another an extra episode for you guys to kind of catch up for some lost time when we were juggling various summer vacation schedules. So good to be here, have some extra time with my podcasting buddy, write, the ride or die, folk, folk music, folk rock king of the scene, Martinique Mystiker, etc. Not Royer, a wonderful guy, um, and we will be having a maybe a little bit, a little bit different tone tonight uh, on this podcast, and I'll have him tell you why. Hello, Matthew. Though I would not give you false hope on this strange and mournful cast, but the Shafee and Matthew reunion, the listeners are hoping it lasts. Oh, little Shafee. Um, yeah, Shafee, are we going to have a, we're trying to capture a somber tone here, which I reached out to you recently in the last couple of weeks and I was feeling somber and I felt like that would lend itself to that would lend itself to podcasting because people think I'm hilarious when I'm being completely <laughs> sincere for some reason. But uh, yeah, I, we, we have another, we have a recent event in my life. Uh, my other grandmother passed away just last night. Uh, Dorothy Fulfer. Um, she was my grandmother my whole life. <laughs> I never knew another grandmother except Pat Rampey, of course. But um, Dorothy Fulfer played uh, an oversized role in my life, uh, as often grandmothers do for kids from the ghetto. Definitely. Um, yeah. Especially when my, my folks split up, uh, you know, when I was 10. And my mom you know, sort of lost her mind for a little while. And, uh, my dad was just gone and Dorothy and her husband, Elwin really stepped in, uh, and saved me from, I have always surmised that I would probably be in the penitentiary, uh, if it were, if it weren't for their, uh, role in, in, you know, really supporting me through some tough times of my life and, not even realizing how tough those times were until I got a little older and started kind of unpacking, you know, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, they were really crucial. Um, and in fact, when, uh, when my parents got remarried, they, they, they split at 12. I oh, no, they split it when I was 10. And then when I was 12, they married, they, both of them got remarried in that same year. And I was really spending most of my time, <laughs> not most of my time, but a lot of my time with my grandparents and my mom and me and my sister moved into this house with my stepdad and my grandparents' house was like closer to O.L. Slayton junior high. And, uh, during the week, like most nights I wanted to stay over there and, they were crucial. <clears throat> Elwin and Dorothy, both very religious people. Uh, uh, they attending a Southern Baptist church, but I have to say their, their version of being Baptist and 
um, their religion was really kind of old time religion, you know, like they saw themselves as not Protestants in that they what they were practicing was predated really a Catholic church, like an Anabaptist oh, wow. type vibe. And, you know, all of the accoutrement with that, which, you know, is no dancing, no drinking, um, you know, straight and narrow really. And, uh, my grandfather smoked cigarettes when he was young and I don't know, maybe he went to the Navy, probably had a beer or two, but mm -hmm. you know, they were, they were both pretty much teetotalers. And, um, of course we went to church with them, uh, every Sunday and Wednesday <laughs> and Sunday night sometimes. Wow. And, um, you know, while I don't, well, I have trouble identifying myself as a Baptist anymore. Uh, I, they really did give me a great grounding in faith and what it means to have a religious practice. And, you know, I see like religious practices <clears throat> and they're, they're all, most of the like religious laws are geared towards just keeping people healthy. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. You think about kosher laws and yeah. you think about uh, Definitely. laws with Hindus with their um, their hands and not touching their eyes and all, these all, all kinds of things. And, and, you know, the this practice of going to this place and seeing your friends once a week and they were big into Christian fellowship. They always worried that I wasn't getting enough Christian fellowship and um. I, you know, it was hard for me to explain that my, my group of friends wasn't like predicated on that. And, you know, my grandfather worked. I know I was not providing you with very much Christian fellowship. <laughs> my, my, time, I'm sorry. My, my, my grandfather worked and my grandmother uh, raised the kids when they were young. And I was giving so, you a Catholic subversion. <laughs> right. Yes. Which was great too. I needed it. I needed that at that time. Um, Your dad, what you said, your granddad was working. Um, you know, it, going to church, that was my grandmother's, that was her social circle. Mm -hmm. And boy, she was ready to go to church. And I, I was just going to say about the going to a Baptist church is you go and you sing hymns every Sunday. And it's, people don't think about breath enough, you know, and you will go, you go on Sunday and you know, you see your friends and then you sing for half an hour and it's, it's a good breath workout, the sure. singing. And then yeah. I think it, you leave feeling good, but partially because of just like the actual practice of the singing. And of course that's where I learned to sing and I was always in choir and, you know, um, that so makes a my lot of love, sense. <laughs> my love of all that type of, you know, it was rooted in gospel music and, um, it's interesting because my grandparents were so different from each other. My Patsy Ruth, who passed away, and you can hear her eulogy talk in episode 45. Episode 45, yeah. And, um, of course, I wanted to talk about Dorothy here because I didn't want her to feel slighted. Yeah. Because in the, in the event that in the afterlife you can see what all what's going on on Earth, like, I wanted her to know, like, 
I want to do a podcast about. Yeah, you might not be able to see everything, but they definitely have an OMH feed up there. You're definitely getting. Oh yeah. boy, <laughs> I, 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 something tells me not. But, um, gosh, what was I saying? Uh, just uh, you were just talking about your grandmother, how important she is, and uh, what she gave you. You know why? Uh, she. Um, I, I was talking, I mentioned that she didn't work, but when, when the, the kids went away, she did, she started her own drapery shop that she ran out of their house. And she, it was like the converted garage was like a full on drapery shop where she had some like big sewing machines and a bunch of different sewing machines and this big work table. And that was her cool, thing is cool, they would go, impressive. she would go and measure people's house and then she would make them these amazing drapes. She cooked all the time. Like my parents were children of the fast food revolution and they, in a way, really bought into fast food and, and we, and didn't cook as much at mm -hmm. home, but she always cooked and we always had a Sunday dinner and, um, I don't know. They, they really, they took care of me like in a way that is, is more than just grandparents. And, um, they were the my only support in college. They would send me a hundred dollars a month for like groceries or something. Nice, wow, that's huge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was here. it was huge. And it's funny too. Like my oh, I, I know. I was saying how how opposite my grandparents were because my dad's parents were drinkers, not particularly church going. They had well, not Patsy Ruth, but Arthur had grown up in a church going house, but. And he didn't really go to church and, you know, they, Arthur was, there's still only two places on the planet for him. There's Lubbock and Las Vegas. <laughs> and that was so different from Melvin Fulfer, who was like, yeah, you very... know, from farmers and rural and just very, um, just uh, honest, hardworking Christian man. And, you know, not, none of that tomfoolery. Now, now let me say this though. I, I, I do as when Dorothy was passing. So, so I, I had not seen her since before the pandemic and we went and saw her last week and she had already, she was having kidney failure. She was having congestive heart failure. Yeah. She had already, she had been to the, she'd been in and out in and out of the hospital a bunch in the last few years. And even she even went to like a nursing home, but that was terrible. And she just wanted to come home. So she was, she was living in her home, which was great. And she wanted to die at home. She did not want to die in a hospital. And the last time I saw her before the pandemic, she was in the hospital and she was very sick. And she was just, I remember I was, it was just me and her in the room and she was kind of in and out and she we woke up and she was talking and she was like, boy, they just won't let you die. You know, and we mm -hmm. have a problem with like for-profit medicine where they're yeah. not motivated to help you. Uh, you know, out of your suffering when you get to certain points and you, and you have certain like yeah, terminal, really you know, uh, conditions. And so she's fighting like urinary tract infection and these kidney problems and this, like she would get fluid on her lungs. And so in the last couple of weeks, she, she, she went to the hospital cause she it was, she was bad off. But then it was awful and she came home, but she was worse than she had been. She lived in Weatherford, Texas, and she had been to the hospital in Weatherford. And then my cousin, who has been staying with her, wanted her 
to to go to the hospital again and she was like no 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 and then she was in such a distress that an ambulance came and took her to a different hospital in Granbury, Texas. And she said they took good care of her in there, but she just basically got in there and they kind of got her stabilized with her kidneys, but they wanted to do dialysis. And she was just like, nope. And they wanted to take the fluid off her lungs. And she was like, nope, I'm going home. And so she went home. She had already gotten hooked up with hospice and we hadn't seen her and we've been trying to find a time. And so last weekend was like, we got to go see her. She was in great spirits. Uh, she was so happy to see me and the kids. And we had a fantastic day of visiting and it was great to see my cousin. There had been some family kerfuffles to where I hadn't seen them. And, you know, I mean, part of it was obviously the the biggest part of that was the pandemic, but sure. Um, Anyway, it was so great. And even we stayed in a hotel and uh, my kids were like, let's go. We got to go back by Nana's tomorrow. And I, I I, had thought about just going home in the morning. Anyway, we went back wow. by last Sunday. Of course, she had she had really put herself together and she we'd spent like six hours at her house. And on Sunday, she wasn't feeling as good. We had worn her out the day mm-hmm. before. And I felt like at that time I was saying goodbye, you know, I I already, you know, it was, but, but like the kidney thing and the, like the fluid on your lungs is, it could have taken her a while. So anyway, yesterday she fell in the kitchen and broke her hip. Mm. And so she was in a lot of pain. My, my cousin had had to go into the hospital. Her dad had open heart surgery a couple of weeks ago. My mom got stints in her heart on Friday and my cousin had gone to the hospital for a pulmonary embolism. So it was my cousin's daughter there uh, taking care of her. And I don't know what happened. She, I mean, it's not a surprise that she fell, but, um, and then it was like pain and, but she was already hooked up with hospice and they like, they brought a bed out there and the hospice nurse was like, we can take you to the hospital. They asked her like 10 times, you want to go to the hospital? And she just refused. And then they just gave her a bunch of medication just to get her comfortable. And then she just passed. So thank goodness Dorothy Fulfer has gone home yeah. to, to be with Jesus. Um, sorry that, uh, I, sorry that she was put through all that, man. That's, you know, I mean, that's just, but that's just, that's that just were, life. And that's it's nice our that society. Like, you know, I mean, we, we cherish life, and so it's very taboo to say you should, you know, euthanize someone yeah. when they're suffering, but it seems only humane. And I think about all the ways we use medicine, and for us not to use it like that, mm-hmm. <laughs> or be coy about that or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it's weird. Uh, so here's to Dorothy Fulfer. She was born in Matador, Texas. Wow, December of 1932. It's somewhere there in the West Texas. Yeah. And her dad was Robert Bearden, and they called him Shorty. And he was bald and not that tall, but everybody loved him. I take after him. And uh, he was a cook. And he owned a, they would like lease a space and he would do a cafe. And they moved around in the panhandle doing that. He had a bunch of different cafes. That's how she said it, a cafe, down at the cafe. And it was just like a lunch 
cafe, you know, like a, just, we were making up food for people who, you know, and and was she, she a religious man too, or yeah, yeah, they were pretty religious. I think maybe her mom more so, but yeah. Um, she told us this story though last Saturday about in Matador on Saturday nights there would be a band in the town square and they would go. And I said, she said, the, you know, the young people would dance. And I said, did your, your parents dance? And she said, no, they would just go in their car and just, just be parked and listen to the music. But they let me dance. And this is when she's like 14 or something. And Cause she met my grandfather when she was 15 but before he had come back from the Navy and she'd never met him, she said she'd go to these dances and there'd be these cowboys in town. And there was this older cowboy that she, that liked her and would like to dance with her. And he's a real nice old guy, you know? And, um, and, but there was a, a young cowboy came around and he, she said some name, some crazy name, like, like, Bronco Loco Bill or something. I don't, I can't remember what it was. I'll have to ask Amy. Um, and he liked her and wanted to take her on a date. And the older cowboy took her aside and said, nope, you're not going on a date with him. He knew something <laughs> about that guy and he, he was watching out for me. But she really liked to have fun. And my grandfather was, my grandfather was probably the more religious of the two. Mm-hmm. And he... I think he kept her from having too much fun a lot of times in their life, you mm-hmm. know, and I think that for le- I think later in life they kind of came to terms with it and he learned to like let go and have fun, you know, but he didn't have fun. And, and I think he really kind of stifled her. And there was a number of things she said over the years that she would have done if it wasn't for Elmer. So It's weird, right? Yeah. I mean, he was a great, guy and a great dad and i think a a good husband she loved him like when he died he you know he died oh man 15 years ago and you know she's it's been a long run without him in a way for her but elwin must be welsh huh no i mean his name is very german fulfer and so is her name bearden um elwin sounds very well elwin sounds you know like middle earth to me yeah but um which i guess a lot i guess tolkien pulled a lot of welsh (laughs) words (laughs) from that anyway i i i told him shafee before the recording that i didn't really feel funny so i'm gonna let i'm gonna let shafee lead some segments here and i'm gonna just stay somber and um and probably be the best podcast on my end for a long time. You know, I was really shot out of a cannon on the last podcast. So there's, yeah, this will be definitely the two sides, <laughs> a flip side of a, uh, of Friday night. So it's cool that we were able to do two in one weekend, kind of like, uh, like the old days back when we were cranking yeah. them out. Yeah. Your, your plan initially was four to five a week it was min- four minimum was the plan right yeah and we probably did one week of four maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> right at first uh and then they they just started winnowing down but yeah you know we did three a week for quite a while we were recording all yeah a lot of them at the, at the uh, very beginning pandemic i was only working half time the bar was closed was... yeah 
And that was good because we had a lot of learning to do. And we did a lot of learning in those early days. We did a lot of learning. We didn't correct for any of the mistakes, but we learned. It was pretty fun. Just now, uh, One Magical Nation, before we started tonight's show, we were listening back to that episode 45. It sounded pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I think there's been a level of professionalism throughout, but... I, I all I really think what happens is we've just gotten tighter. Yeah, we've just somehow, and I I couldn't write a a checklist of how we learned this, but it sounds just to get a little more together. I think by talking a lot, we've become better at talking. I know I, I still have you know I still have a lot of the uhs and the you knows, uh, you know. But I was listening to someone on another podcast uh, she and she was a very smart young lady uh and fairly well spoken too and she had a lot of us you know and i think there's some of us who kind of just want to think more carefully about things mm-hmm. and think a little slower so you kind of have to slow it down with the us and you know because you're trying to find just the right word for just the right strange thing that's happening in your head yeah. and that's you might need to just Slow things down a little bit after that, you know. Uh, so maybe maybe that has something to do with it, or you know, yeah. or maybe maybe I just talk slow. Sounds entirely plausible. <laughs> uh, but yeah, great to you know, it's great to be able to be here for you at times like this, and I know that sharing the stuff with one magical nation is really important. Um, I mean, I, you know, I. I considered not recording a podcast, but then that's why, you know, that's not very productive. I don't know. I mean, when you uh, contacted me, I definitely remembered, you know, last time, uh, you know, how good you felt after it, you know, and I remember yeah. you saying, you know, like, that I'm really glad I did that. So it made sense to do it again. Yeah. We had, I can't remember if I told this story, but just talking about, you know, being able to say goodbye, you know, and having them, you know, kind of go on, you know, it sounds like she might have done things a little differently, but when the, when the time did, did once, she kind of went on her own terms, you know. It sounded like it was pretty peaceful. That's and, uh, um, that's such a great thing. So lucky if you can have that. I remember when both my grandparents were still at my paternal grandparents, Sandy and Helen, when they were both still alive, they were, but they had moved into a care a facility, a cared facility. And that was kind of, you know, when everybody knew something was coming. Um, they were, you know, maybe 90. You know, I think my grandfather was 90 and my grandmother was 88 or something. And they lived there for a couple of years. But then uh, my grandfather was hospitalized for like like a super heinous pneumonia or something. And then, and it stressed my grandmother out. So she had like a little mini heart attack. Uh, nothing. She lived for another four years after that, but for three years after that. But uh, but at the time, they were both in the hospital, and they were in rooms next to each other. My uncle was, you know, was a surgeon there, and he arranged for them to, you know, be very well taken care of. It was great, uh, and they so they were just there was a wall separating between their two heads. You know, mm-hmm. they were both uh, there, and we had gone down. We went down to see my grandfather. You know, we really knew. The things were getting close with him. 
and we talked with him and it was a great conversation and he knew that we were going over to see our grandmother afterwards we said okay we're you know we love your grand grandpa we're gonna go see grandma now i'm gonna go see nana now and he said tell her not to buy any encyclopedias <laughs> and we're like okay <laughs> so we went over we saw nana we said nana grandpa told told us to tell you not to buy any encyclopedias and she just laughed. She said, I can't believe he remembered that. And it was a reference to right after they got married, they were setting up their house, you know, and playing, playing house. And yeah. this encyclopedia salesman came by and wowed them on the, you know, whether it was, I don't know if it was the World Book or the Encyclopedia Britannica. They showed it to them. They were so impressed. They signed up for it. They realized a few weeks later that they did not have the money for it. Oh, is that right? <laughs> and yeah. that they had to they had to give up their subscription. I guess it was a uh, complicated thing. It really felt like a failure to them. Uh, As so he said, don't buy any. And so he made this reference to when they first got married. So don't buy any encyclopedias. At that point, she very much could have afforded an encyclopedia, but uh, still pretty good advice to not buy any. <laughs> I mean, the encyclopedia is a fascinating thing because... That's what we did before the internet. Yeah. There was this big it was. set of books <laughs> to reference a bunch of stuff, right? Yeah. Maps and histories and information about countries and stuff like that. All kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. We, I mean, we had a... Elwin and Dorothy had an Encyclopedia Britannica set. And maybe a couple different, like... Maybe one from yonder ago. And there maybe there was even a more recent one. When I was a kid, maybe not. we yeah. were a Britannica family, yeah. not World Book. But, uh, I don't. I'm not familiar with World Book. Is that like a Yankee thing? Uh I feel like my mom's parents had the World Book. It was just another. It was another encyclopedia set. Uh, and you kind of had a white. Okay, it sounds it had a white, spurious to me. It had a white binding and kind of a gold lettering on it. Um. I'd say it was, it was maybe like the newer, flashier, com, newer and flashier compared to the Encyclopedia Britannica. I'm not sure. God, it's so funny to think about that. There's really nothing more useless than an encyclopedia these days. And it yeah, was but like I don't, the almost, center of knowledge in the house. I'd almost like to have one just as a, like a curio. It'd be, you know, be a lot of stuff in there that's just completely out of date. A lot of... Uh, they call Zimbabwe Rhodesia. And... <laughs> yeah, there's all that. And then other types of, like, debunked pseudoscience. And, things. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> and yeah, the, the, the names of places all messed up. So, Matthew, this kind of leads into uh, one of something that I made a note to talk to you about. Did you notice that Future Rampies note there on the uh -huh. show sheet? Future Rampies, is that a segment? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think so. No, it, it definitely is probably a theme that we will come back to. Uh -huh. But I was just, you know, I've been well. I've been listening to this new podcast that I found. That's another. It's like two white dudes talking podcast. Oh, uh, they're guys in L.A. But they they started this podcast like the day after lockdown. Oh, okay. 
Like they had been, they're just like two guys kind of just on the scene. One of them's in LA and one of them's in New York. And they had been, they had done, they had been involved in some podcasts before and had, you know, said, oh, we should do that together. And then the, when lockdown hit, they're like, all right, now's the time. So they, they, yeah, they start the day after lockdown. And so I, I found this podcast. I listened to it. I was like, pretty cool. I'm going to go back to the beginning as I sometimes like to do. So I went back. So I've been listening to their first, you know, handful of podcasts there. Were the, they garbage at first like us? Uh, <laughs> they had a little better start because they had more experience. I see. But, uh. Yeah, I did. I, I had not really talked before. It definitely got me thinking about, you know, where we're at with with the pandemic now and kind of where we're going, just like things in my life. And then, you know, your grandmother passing away. Uh, To me, I have a strong feeling of whatever happens next is going to happen soon. And, you know, we kind of need to figure out what that is. Either, you know, whether they're talking about me as a person or us as a culture or, you know, the world as humanity as a whole, you know, there's definitely a feeling like things are going to be different. You know, like the, the, the world has emerged from things and it's time, it's time to start thinking about what that next step is going to look like. And, you know, once you start thinking about that, it, it can apply to anything. But I was standing in your kitchen just now. Very nice kitchen, by the way. And I, but I was looking over at the sunroom, and you know, I remember when the kids were younger, and that sunroom was just a, just it looked like a bomb went off there with you know all the toys, toys and stuff. And like now, there's like a nice wing back chair for sitting and reading. Yeah. Looks really nice in there. You know, these are things that they're the indicators of change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was standing there, you know, looking at your kitchen, thinking, how old's Griffin now? He's eight. Eight. So you're you're looking at about a decade, you know. Uh, yep. Isabel's going to graduate and go to college, and then, you know, in, in about a decade, you guys are going to have very, very different lives. And, you know, and a decade's not far away. Yeah. Have you thought about what your life's going to look like when the kids are off and going Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a whole, like, vision board. I would love so to know what, how life. you think it's going to go, how you think your wife thinks it's going to go, what you what what you guys have talked about, what you guys secretly fantasize about on your own. Tell me more about that. Honestly, right now, all I really care about is playing more golf. <laughs> and at that point, I will be able to play more golf. Also, a thing happened last Sunday. Um, we had been missing my grandmother and we were back on Sunday evening and I was feeling just itchy. Like I needed to just go do something. I want to go hit some golf balls. Uh-huh. And so I took Griffin to the range to the Harvey Pinnock golf campus, which is like just a nine hole golf learning campus here in Austin. Yeah. Yeah. We got a bucket and we whacked a bunch of balls and he, I hadn't taken him to the range in a while and he was better. I think partially because of baseball. And I mean, he was already okay at hitting the ball, but um, it was good. And then they have a little short course, a little three hole practice course uh-huh. that you can just play if you've bought range balls. And so we played three holes and 
it clicked with him why this is fun. Like, he's only ever been to the range where he just whack balls. But yeah. The concept of trying to get that ball in that cup is what is makes it fun. That's so the point, yeah. We played those three holes, and I, if, I feel like if I get him just a little instruction or maybe have him go to a camp or something, like, yeah, yeah. we'll get him up to speed quickly enough that now I'm looking at, I've got family time with my son, and we go play play nine holes, or you know, no doubt. Um, so, the the kid thing is like any other investment. There's there's a lot of work on the front end, yeah. You know, to get it going, and uh, now it's paying off. But yeah, but you're right, and then it'll then it'll come to like it'll already be Isabel. Hopefully, gets accepted to a school and yeah. goes to college, and and then just us and him, and he'll just be. Wanting to hang out with his friends at that point, you yeah. know, in high school. There will be plenty like, of, t- of days or after work where I can just hit some golf balls. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I, in this time of like, you were talking about the world changing and the, there's the, there's a, the Me Too movement, the racial reckoning and, mm-hmm. you know, all the societal and cultural upheavals, all the, all the things dealing with technology. Like there's massive, the, the climate change, there's, there's unrest. There's all these things. And I, I feel like a real imperialist a-hole in mm-hmm. that I'm saying, I just want to play more golf. But, hey. You know, I mean, it's... I, I feel like golf itches some primordial urges, you know, with like hunting and gathering. Like, hunting and gathering was difficult and it dealt with this... You had to you had to close the distance between yourself and your target. And mm-hmm. then there's, there's the aiming and the shooting. And then there's the finding of the ball. That's kind of like, sure. Yeah. Primordial. And it's just like a difficult task. It's one of those, it's one of those things. There's a lot of them in our lives as humans that it's easy to pick up, but difficult to master, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I enjoy it. And it, I also, I, I picked it up right as my kids were born. Like, Isabel was one, and I had been f- pushed out of soccer from injury, and mm-hmm. it didn't have anything I was training for. And and I just, I made a conscious decision. It was really between golf and hunting. I was like, I'm going to have a, a hobby that that deals with the outdoors, and it's one of these things, and I'm with golf because I mean, come on, I live in the I live in the city and yeah. Hunt, hunting is interesting to me, but a lot more opportunities the, to play golf. Yeah, a lot more home. regular opportunities <laughs> to play golf. And I have a lot of friends. I already had a lot of friends who were golfers, and so yeah, I I've had a great decade of building that skill. I played today. Um, I I had the I had it booked before I knew my grandmother was passing, and I thought I'm going to go ahead and play golf this morning. And, um, I, I don't know. It's satisfying and frustrating and fun. And, and at the end of the day, it's just like a walk in the outdoors with, yeah. your, with your friends. You yeah. know? It's the same reason I love disc golf, Alex Battles. But here, by the way, here's a segment right here. Just real quick. I just want to mention. I'm sorry. Did it, am I cutting you off in a segment no. again? Why does, my, why does my speaker keep going out? Alex Battles, co-executive producer of the show, um, 
has been sending us those TikToks that mm-hmm. are disc golf oriented. Have you watched those? Yeah. It, those are bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny how I've always seen it as such a niche thing. And like, I've, there are plenty of places in the world where nobody's ever heard of that. And, yeah. But I see in these videos, like the, the pro circuit and everything has gotten really huge. Yeah. There were it's tons like, and tons of spectators yeah, there. It was like fascinating. A, <laughs> like, a, like, like the PGA tour. Or there's, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I have regrets, you know, like I did that I didn't go pro in disc golf. <laughs> My life could have gone in such a different direction. I would imagine, yeah, if becoming a professional disc golfer is all about putting the time in, right? Yeah. You know, anybody yeah, can do it. You just got to throw that disc enough times. Yeah, disc golf's the same thing. It's It's difficult to master. That's why it's fun. What else we got on the show sheet here, Shafee? It looks like we have a classic segment. I had an idea. Somebody was talking. Oh, it was when I was listening to that. Those podcasters talking about the early days of the lockdown. Uh-huh. Talking about how they needed a standing desk. Yes. And there's a standing desk. Uh, that became a big deal during lockdown. And there's a running desk. Oh, yes. And then in my mind, like, was the future? I guess this would be like a like a Saturday Night Live fake commercial or something. Had the idea for the parkour desk. Oh. So, like, oh, yeah. The parkour you know, like, desk. Running and, like, jumping off of, like, 20 feet and, like, doing backflips. But you got your desk, like, strapped to you oh, or yeah. something. And then you're, you're, you're still there, like, oh, no, yeah, I'm listening. Yeah. I think you, yeah, we got to circle back on this one. And you're like, <laughs> Let's put a pin in it. I'll do it. Put a pin. Doing backflips. So, what do you think? Parkour desk? I like that I a think lot. We can, uh... I like that. I'm already thinking about the design. Yeah. It's almost like a, you know, there's those backpacks with sort of a superstructure or it's like a substructure with mm-hmm. a frame in it. It's like that. Like, it go, it's a backpack, but there's like a whole like framework here in front of you that sort of cantilevers over and holds the desk in front of you. Um, yeah, I wish we hadn't said that on the podcast, though, because somebody's, no, totally, no, somebody's totally going to... They're going to steal our idea? One of the sharks, Mr. Wonderful, or somebody is going to totally hork our idea. Oh, you know, the passage of time and chronology would have been the, the more... Because we were talking about things changing and what's funny uh, to me is that you've taken the show sheet and gone from the bottom <laughs> up at, to now one that's called the passage of time or chronology. Uh, that's just a funny article that I found. Do you know that? Let's see. There are more years in between. Let me see. I, uh, Shall I vamp? Vamp, vamp a little. This one time I was making this podcast with my mate Shafee. And I was feeling a bit somber. But everything was funny anyway. Do you know what I mean? Did you know 
did I did not know that. Did you know that, Ed? No, sir. Ha! Fourteen facts about time and history that will blow your mind. Oh, that's not the exact article that I was looking for. You can't just look in the history of your phone. Did you know that sharks... Wait, is this a Matthew ever wondered? Did you know that sharks are older than trees? Whoa. How crazy is that? That's insane. <laughs> I'm trying to picture that in my head. Now, I know that before a certain period, we didn't have trees, and it was like ferns well, and yeah. palms were the main things. But I think but maybe not, even not before then, trees. like there was times when there was only ocean, and oh, the, oh, like right. the uh -huh. the continents, the the hard continents were not even habitable, you know, right? Necessarily, uh -huh. I and think. There, the, and there were the, sharks. I think there were sharks running around, and then sharks ancestors. Yeah. How crazy is that? I just don't think of. I mean, with the way humanity's going, you know, you definitely see sharks outliving humans, right? In terms of planet oh this so is a shark, good <laughs> let me tell you something there's no panic in the shark community about rising sea levels this is a good one the ottoman empire still existed when oreos were invented <laughs> whoa the ottoman empire went for a long time yeah 1300 but and like it's you know i'm sure it's like some just small you know small some like in the way that the british empire it was, it was still the turks the British Empire te technically still exists because yeah. they've got Northern Ireland, or whatever. Yeah, it was just it, it was the Turkish were just saying, no, we still we still got it. So it lasted. So the Ottoman Empire started in thirteen hundred, lasted till nineteen twenty two. Okay, was that like at the? What stopped that? <laughs> uh, I don't know, but uh, yeah. Oreos were in nineteen twelve. This is a funny one. <laughs> Will Smith is now older than Uncle Phil was when Fresh when Fresh Prince started. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Yeah, there's a that, that there's a lot of examples of like TV dads that <laughs> we are older than now. Ralph Macchio is more than six years older today than Pat Morita was while filming The Karate Kid. Whoa! Boy, that that goes to show that oldness has really changed. Oh, this one, yeah, this one kind of blew my mind. Cleopatra is time is closer to the present than it is to the building of the Great Pyramids. Oh, so the the Great Pyramids were like a long three thousand years before Cleopatra. Yeah, and Cleopatra's only been a couple grand since the okay, I got it. Wow. The Great Pyramid was older to the Romans than the Romans are to us. Whoa. Of course, they had the help of aliens. Oh, yeah. There was more time in between the Stegosaurus and the T-Rex than between the T-Rex and us. Huh. Well, how come they always have Stegosaurus and T-Rex in the same cartoons? Yeah, no kidding. But that's just the crazy thing about, like, we are just like a cough in the wind compared oh, to the coughs in the wind. To the <laughs> compared to the you know the the dinosaurs existed it was like a hundred thousand years or something, you know, there's something crazy like that. Yeah. We're just 
Well, I mean, now though, if you look at our at our hominid ancestors, it looks like yeah. we're pretty old too. Yeah, and but, I mean, but, you but, not, but not as old as there are some things like the like the shark that you know. You well, technically, the age of the dinosaurs is still going on because there's still sharks swimming around. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and so turkeys. That, so that's kind of, uh-huh. but but then you know you just start to think like, or even just between now and two thousand years, you know. Just, you know, say the time of Jesus Christ. That seems like a long time ago to me, you know, culturally speaking. Yeah. But really, it's just a sneeze. It wasn't that long ago. You're blowing my mind right here on my own podcast. Good. I'm glad this worked out. I was afraid that it was, you know. Well, I mean, (laughs) my only concern was that you started from the bottom. This is a funny one. And Frank... Martin Luther King Jr. and Ed Asner were all born in the same year. <laughs> Whoa. The, uh, that one's, yeah, that was kind of sad because, you know. Because they assassinated Dr. King? Yeah, and she, and, and Frank was killed in a ethnic cleansing. And uh, so all, all we have is. Is that what the, happened? I've never read the diary of Frank. I was scared to. All we had was the old white guy. Ox- oh, yeah, this was an interesting one. Oxford University was started before the beginning of the Aztec civilization. Is that right? Yeah, that's, the Aztecs, when did the Aztecs didn't come around until about the 13th century. Oh, okay. But they were, there were precursors, the Olmecs and the... Yeah, the Mayans. Yeah. And then and Oxford... I mean, that that's, seems to speak to, like, maybe our inaccurate ways of categorizing things a little bit because we like to put things in these little periods and boxes when yeah, really you're absolutely a, right. a more yeah, fluid um you know organic transition of their society you know the minds obviously suffered still mysterious like you know downfalls but the people you know dispersed and you know eventually kind of reassembled as what we consider the as the Aztec civilization. It took only 66 years after the Wright brothers first flight for humans to make it to the moon. Now that seems insane. Amazing, yeah. And that speaks to how things seem to be getting exponentially faster that's, in evolution. Yeah, that's what they right? say, yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's bananas. But that seems like the march towards the, what's it called? Singularity? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, people point to stuff like that when it's time to talk about the singularity, definitely. It's like, it took, this technology took 100,000 years to develop, and then the next big leap was a 10,000-year leap, and the next big leap was a 1,000-year leap, and then a, <laughs> but look, look at how the world's changed since 1999, bro. The internet's. This is a funny one. With the computers and the internets. Pluto didn't even orbit once around the sun between the time it was discovered and the time it was declassified as a planet. Man, how <laughs> ignominious. <laughs> yeah. what's, what's that word? Ignominious? Yeah. Poor bastard. 248 Earth years to orbit the sun. So we found it on the telescope. 
and then declassified it as a planet before it even made it around the sun. I'm thinking, I think Pluto's been robbed, personally, but I'm not an astronomer. I'm an astrologer of the new age. This is uh, this one I find interesting because it doesn't really blow my mind that much. The events of 9-11 happened closer to the release of the original Nintendo console than to now. <laughs> and the last thing on the show sheet that is kind of... Uh, it's, I guess it's a Yield Workshop. Is it a Yield Workshop? A classic Yield Workshop? Yield Workshop. Uh, and it kind of has to do with the passage of time or like the weird... The weird things that time can do. Uh, do you know what's generally accepted to be the most recognizable word in human language? I do not. It's okay. Okay. Like people, you know, they say okay in China. Is that right? Yeah. And huh. it is not an old word at all in the English, you know, here in America. It came and popped up here in America. Uh, I think the first usage is about 1839. Okay. They're not super clear on why. It was sort of a meme type word, huh. like kind of like a joke that kind of got started. Like the most, there's a thing about old Kinderhook, you know, Martin Van Buren, that's, that doesn't work. That happened much later than the first appearance. Uh, most, li most likely, you know, it was part of a deliberate misspelling of all correct, O-L-L, correct with a K, okay, and then kind of done as a joke and then reused as a joke, sort of a tongue-in-cheek, funny sort of thing and then became more widely used by by some by journalists and then like kind of some harvard frat boys really started to lean on it and this is coming closer to like 1900 mm. before you know and, and then just slowly gained popularity to where you know now we say it everybody says okay like that's not knowing, not be, none of us are sure at all where it came from. It spread all around the world. And, and now it's uh, some kind of, uh, and now the associated hand gesture is a signal to other white supremacists. Is that right? Yeah, I don't know. For a while they were saying, like, if you see somebody doing this, especially down low, that's like, that's a signal to other Proud Boys. You I, hadn't heard about that? <laughs> okay. Well. Can't keep up with what those idiots are doing. Uh, listen, you can't let one group, uh, you know, just take over a symbol. No. Unless you're the gays. And then you can have the rainbow. Sure. I love the rainbow. Yeah. That's a great symbol of inclusion, too. All uh, the colors. Well, there's like another, there's a more recent LGBTQI flag. They've added another letter, I think, um, that's like a rainbow, but then there's like a triangular part, and there's maybe some purple and brown. I think it's just like an all-inclusion flag. Gotcha. Which I love. I prefer that to the those like uh, coded 
anti-government cop flags or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> what are we talking about? Let's wrap this episode up. God. God. Do we have any poetry? <laughs> Hopefully you just got some poetry at the ready. Oh, sure. The thing about it is, is the poetry gives the podcast the credibility. It desperately Sure, needs. it really, really does need it. How about some Sam Starkweather? Yes. I was just thinking this morning. I could use more Starkweather in my life. Okay. Well, let's turn to our friend Samson Starkweather, born 1975. So he is my age. It was a very good year. So that's cool. How about his poem, Flowers of Rad? Sure. Rad, bruh. I want to write a poem as long as California, like lying on a couch forever, as a serious man takes notes on your dreams in a little book. Maybe I mean I want to talk forever, but there's even a difference anyway. But is there even a difference anyway? Like my uncle who went walking and never stopped. Or that day on the LA freeway when a horse got loose, people freaking out, cars honking and skidding, and me and my sister rooting for the horse, who I imagine 20 years later, trotting around the LA freeway, a living argument against time as people drive right past her without even noticing a horse she keeps on at home in the gridlock a phenomenon in the smog. We want to think she is looking for something, but she has passed panic now, content, her heart a part of that freeway, unaware that I am the one telling this story. And in this version, no one listens to anyone's dreams. And that couch is the one we broke off on while your parents were gone. Blood on the cushion, which wouldn't come out no matter what we tried. So we just gave up and laid there sweating in the bliss of thinking nothing, and somewhere a startled horse is not smashed by a semi on the L.A. freeway on a summer day in 1988. Uh, no offense to poets present or otherwise, but that's maybe my favorite poem we've had really for Poetry Corner. <laughs> but I, I love California, and I love the sort of 80s nostalgic feel of that poem and um yeah also is the man taking notes on your dreams is that Matthias Felina? <laughs> probably is yeah. <laughs> they are friends actually oh they know those guys know each yep. other they don't oh, that do. seems like a reference then <laughs> huh. wow <laughs> that was rad well I'm glad we ended with a good poem and Oh, yeah, great poem. Rest in peace, Dorothy. You didn't know. You, you didn't take note that your she has the same name as your she as your did, niece. As my niece, yeah. Yeah, and we even last weekend we were talking about how names these old what we perceive as old lady names have come back around. Coming back, yeah. Hazel and Vivian and. These are all these are kids from Griffin's class. Wow, <laughs> Hazel and Vivian and Isabel's was named after her great aunt. And there's a bunch of names that you know they don't have anymore. Like you're hard pressed to find a 
a kid Jennifer these days. Mm. That's weird. That's a name I like too. I know. Me too. I've known a lot of good Jennifers. Interesting. Well, uh, we just need to remind you that we love you, listener. You there listening to us at whatever time of day it is, even though Shafee said it's going to be a somber night. Uh, <laughs> we love you. We miss you. Keep listening. And remember, the poorer the choices. The sweeter the wine. She picked up her rental car this morning Just to get the hell out of town She don't know where she's going yet as she puts on her shades Turns the key and lays the pedal down Rolls down the window and her scarf whips in the wind She sings along to the radio She's thinking about the things she had and what she left behind That sent her out alone on this road The road will take you home, girl Even when you've forgotten which way to go Don't worry, baby girl The road remembers The road will take you home Tired of Arthur Miller's and Joe DiMaggio's Loving her for what they want her to be She's a pile of contradictions to everyone but herself The distance burns her past in effigy after 14 hours and three tanks of gas She feels the ties that bind her start to break She stretches out on her motel bed and lights a lucky strike And thinks about the next move she'll make The road will take you home, girl Even when you've forgotten which way to go Don't worry, baby girl The road remembers The road will take you home Don't worry, baby girl, the road remembers The road will take you home